0: You're listening to the Writers Forum. I'm your host, Mike Tusa. And today I'll be speaking with author Jay Wynn Rusick about her clever new novel, Please Write, a Novel in Letters. Ms. Rusick is a longtime theater critic for NPR and for the Baltimore Sun. She has written nonfiction that has appeared in several magazines, including Dog World and American Theater. And her short stories were honored by Atticus Reviews and others. Please write is her first novel. Welcome to the show, Judy. Thank you very much, Mike. Well, let me let me start by asking you. It's such a clever idea. Where did the idea come from to write not a novel in the letters? Uh, two of which, for our listeners, are written by dogs.
1: <laughs> yes, there are three correspondents in the book, and two of them are dogs, and the third is the alter ego of a recently widowed. Midwestern artist. And I have to say two things. First of all, I just love letters. And I think letters are becoming quickly, if they aren't already, a dying art. I think they have largely been replaced by emails and texts, and there is no way that either of those really captures the personality of the writer. Um, Historians have depended on letters, Uh, biographers have depended on letters as uh, primary research for decades and decades and decades, if not longer. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do now, um, but I'm not a historian or a biographer, so I'm too concerned for them, but it doesn't touch me personally. At the same time, the second thing is that I wanted these dogs to have voices, but I did not want them to talk. That was just a little too cutesy, a little too twee for me. But I wanted a way into their minds. And this gave me that.
0: Well, it works really well. Let me ask you this. Um, You're a theater critic. Yes. And So how does your writing as a theater critic or how did your writing as a theater critic affect or hinder your writing of a fiction novel?
1: Well, I think I even have to go into a broader category than that and talk about my start in journalism, because um, I do have a, a master's in journalism and went all the way from, you know, editing my my high school paper to editing my college paper um, to working for a newspaper, working for a radio station, then going to grad school in journalism. So I was very much trained in the who, what, where, why, when, how um, sort of lead. And um, at the same time, theater reviewing may seem a little distance from covering, say, cops and courts, but which, uh, you know, a regular reporter would do. But I have a colleague who has described theater reviewing as one of the last bastions of firsthand reporting. He says it's almost like covering a fire because, frankly, there are so many press events, media events, photo ops that are done now. There isn't a lot of just straight reporting something that happens right in front of you. So I have been a theater critic now for, I'm in my fourth decade as a theater critic, and I have spent all of that time reporting on not only what's happening right in front of me on stage, but also what it's like to be in in my theater seat, what the experience is like. And so that really, in a lot of ways, was closer to reporting than certainly than it was with fiction. I shouldn't have had any fiction uh, in my theater reviews at all. At the same time, I think, or I have been told that theater and plays have informed this novel, Please Write, in a number of ways. And one is that we're seeing the letters, in a way, are a form of dialogue. Mm -hmm. And and so that, I hadn't thought of that, but um, that definitely figured into this type of writing. And one of the biggest differences, of course, is that in writing fiction, I was delighted to find... I can make things up, and that has been so incredibly freeing. It's just a delight.
0: Well, you say you make things up. One of the questions I was going to ask you is, and reading a little bit of your biography, I understand that dogs and, and the lives of dogs and judging dogs, uh, you, there's a family history there. Yes. So, um, and, and I also understand that one of the dogs, Zippy, in the, in the book, is kind of modeled on your own dog, Juno, um, so, how much of the book is autobiographical, or if you will?
1: Well, I did grow up in a in a very um, uh, dog loving um, family. My father uh, was a dog judge, that American Kennel Club dog judge. That was his lifelong hobby, and I started going to dog shows probably as a toddler. Um, there's a story in in my family that. Um, When I would go to dog shows with my father, he would often seat me in the obedience area because that was sort of more interesting for a child to watch. And I came home from a dog show once as a very small girl. And I went into the living room of the house and I lined up all my stuffed dogs because I had more stuffed dogs than dolls. And I went into the kitchen where my mother was preparing dinner and I didn't say anything. I went back in the living room. I looked at all my toy dogs I ran back into the kitchen and said, they all stayed. I (laughs) that was the the best uh, I've ever done as a a dog trainer. Um, I should probably also mention that my father's older brother wrote the first book about Boston Terriers, which not only was the main breed that my father judged, but is one of the two dogs, Winslow, in this book. Um, Zippy is not so much modeled after Juno, my current dog, but is a composite of a number of dogs i've had there are only two actual names in this book one of them is zippy the other is the dog trainer whose name is janet but zippy the real life zippy was the sweetest most well-behaved little rescue terrier and i'm afraid i have have laden all of these naughty characteristics of other dogs i have had on top of zippy so zippy um, I apologize. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> well, I, actually, I've had a Russell Terrier, so they do have some interesting torts. Uh, oh, yes. Uh,
1: yes. Uh,
0: so let's talk about Zippy and Winslow a little bit. First, t- give me their backstory, and then if if you might, maybe I can get you to read a little bit of one of their one of each of their letters that would give us a little flavor about them. Oh,
1: sure, I would love to do that. So the book begins with a letter from Winslow. Winslow is a Boston Terrier. Because Boston Terrier's markings are a lot like a tuxedo, the Boston Terrier breed has been called the American Gentleman. And Winslow sort of embodies those characteristics. He is a very formal dog. He has a very large vocabulary. He's, he's very well-read. And he's, he's kind of stayed in his um, behavior and attitudes. And he's very happy in this, this uh, family Um, this couple, Pamela and Frank, who own him. Um, They are his his masters, his master and his mistress. And then suddenly this puppy shows up. The puppy, Zippy, um, is a mixed-breed terrier that is rescued off the streets of Baltimore. And uh, I'm not going to tell you too much about this little puppy at this point. She's about seven months old when she's rescued. And I'm going to let Winslow tell you about her in in the opening letter in the book and um plays often start when something out of the ordinary has happened you know sort of what makes this day difference and uh so i thought that was also a good way to start a novel and that's the way this novel starts and it is a letter being written to um the artist in cleveland who is called grandma vivian and Grandma Vivian and um, Winslow have a long-standing correspondence. I also want to say, I want to give a plug for the audio book, uh, the Audible book of Please Write, because an actress named Nancy Dulapala did that. I know she's been nominated for an award for it. Coming up with the distinct voices for these dogs and for Grandma Vivian really was uh, quite a feat, and she did a wonderful job. And I'll try to give a sense of how these dogs sound differently um, a, as I read these letters, but I encourage uh, people to try the audio book as well. So this is the letter that opens the book, and this is from Winslow. Dear Grandma Vivian, you know I only write if something is amiss. With considerable dismay, I must inform you, there is another dog in the house. Frank brought home a puppy. Why? This is a perfectly contented one-dog household. The puppy arrived here dirty and shivering in the small hours. Pamela and I were asleep when Frank came into the bedroom, turned on the light, and deposited the muddy pup on the bed. Pamela sat up none too happy and told Frank to get the puppy off the bed and out of the bedroom. And what was he doing staying out until this hour? And where was he? And we cannot keep that puppy. And some other things I didn't catch because I followed Frank and the puppy out of the room. Frank gave the pup a bath in the basement wash wash tub. It wouldn't stop whining and whimpering. At one point, it jumped out of the tub and shook dirty bath water all over me. The indignity. Pamela and Frank need to locate its owners. Soon. I have enough to deal with trying to keep things on a steady keel around here. We do not need a superfluous auxiliary animal. It's not even a Boston Terrier. Yours, Winslow. (laughs) P.S. The selfish scruffy pup has already eaten my dinner, stolen two dog biscuits, and decimated my favorite tennis ball.
0: (laughs) I think that gives us a good flavor of uh, Winslow's personality right there.
1: And he changes in the in the course of the book, yeah. as does as does Zippy. I think we always need characters that change and grow in any right. uh, engrossing novel or play. Uh, now, would you like to get a little taste of, of Zippy?
0: Yes, please. So I
1: want to say um, Zippy learns to read and write the way that Winslow did, and that is from reading the newspapers that are scattered on the floor when the dogs are puppies, and anyway, he Anyone who has had a dog and housebroken a dog knows what I'm talking about. Um, But Zippy has, uh, at times, a rather slow learning curve. Uh, She gets easily distracted, and being part Jack Russell, as you point out, leads to that. Those dogs are permanently distracted. Very smart, but easily distracted. So I'm going to read you a letter that comes about a third of the way into the book. And I've chosen this because initially uh, Zippy's attempts to write, uh, are really a lot of gibberish. She, she doesn't, she just, especially if she gets very excited about something, she's typing on an electric typewriter and she will just hold her paw down and you get that letter on and on and on and on. So this letter comes a little bit later and, um, Pamela has taken Zippy to visit, um, Pamela's mother in Cleveland. Pamela's mother has not been well. And, um, this is a letter from Zippy after they have gotten back home and she is writing to Grandma Vivian. Dear Grandma Vivian, Zippy is good nurse after all. Knew it, you bet car ride was fun. Sit next to Pamela, look out window. Put paws on armrest, put paw on button. Window goes down, window up, window down. Stop that Zippy. Drive past houses, trees, trucks, bus, trees, cars, dogs, dogs and cars. Bark hello at dogs and cars. Zippy, settle down now. Car ride, tiring. Zippy has a job, real job. Zippy is research assistant. Annie, get your gun. You can't get a man with a gun. Anything you can do, I can do better. Love, Zippy. (laughs) Now, I should also explain that the character of Pamela is a theater critic. Surprise, surprise. Uh And um, Frank keeps giving titles to Zippy's various tasks and jobs. So now Zippy is trying to help Pamela somewhat um, when she's not chewing up Pamela's books and scripts. And in this case, uh, Frank has dubbed her Pamela's research assistant.
0: I got you. Well, now you mentioned Pamela. There are human characters in the book. Vivian, you mentioned Frank and Pamela who are married. And the dogs are in essence um, witnesses to the development of these the characteristics of the, the humans in the book. And... There's difficulty in Frank and Pamela's marriage that they witnessed. Indeed, I, mean, I think that's how you create or how you relay that information through the dog's letters. Talk to us a little bit about Frank and the difficulties Frank is having that the dogs witness, although they don't completely understand.
1: Well, I should say that a lot of my motivation to write this book was to tell a story about dealing with hardship and particularly with loss, dealing with grief, and. I wanted to show how imagination and love and dogs can help us cope with some of these uh, tough situations. So Pamela and Frank's marriage is already facing challenges when the book begins. And those challenges increase and they mount up um, as the book continues. um, Telling this in the dog's perspective is tricky because the action, as often happens in Shakespeare's plays, not that I'm comparing Please Write to Shakespeare's plays, <laughs> but a lot of the action, the battle scenes, take place off stage. So um, keeping this alive and feeling present was one of the challenges that I faced in the book. Um, also, the dogs tell things in, this le- in these letters that the humans probably would not do. Um, so that's part of the the motivation actually for writing the book in this way. They tell things that one human might not tell another, and mother-daughter relationships are very much a theme in this book. So Frank is, uh, to answer your question, a landscape architect by profession, and uh, he also has a very serious problem with alcohol, and he has an addiction problem. And this affects his work, it affects his home life, it also affects the dogs. And um, tracking that is uh, one of the human stories that
0: threads through the book. Well, you know, what, one of the things that struck me is the way that you bring out this information through the dog letters forces me to think because oh, it's, not, it's not put right there in front of me. Obviously, I realize Frank's got a problem, but initially it's not clear what the problem is because the dogs don't know what the problem is, but they know something's wrong. I thought that was really well done and, and really enjoyed it. Um, Thank you. So, in essence, for folks listening, we have kind of two intertwined stories making up one story, and that's, you know, the story of the dog, Zippy getting dropped in, if you will, on Winslow, who is a great character, by the way. I loved Winslow. Um, And we have the story of the humans and the interaction between the two. Did you know when you started to write the book that you were going to have these interlocking stories, or did it evolve organically?
1: Um, the answer is is more a yes to your first question, did I know. I knew where this book was going. Um, I There are other great hardships in the book. Um, Pamela's mother, who lives right. with Grandma Vivian, um, has an uh, illness that gets worse as the book goes on. And I always knew I wanted to do this as cor- sort of a um, bifurcated um, uh, technique uh, because... Again, I wanted to be able to have these dogs saying things to Grandma Fifi, who is actually an alter ego, that perhaps Pamela couldn't say to her mother. And so I wanted them to happen simultaneously. And um, I'm, I'm glad you picked up on the fact that because the dogs do not understand everything that's happening, they take everything literally, particularly Zippy. Um, it's a kind of reporting that requires the reader to to a certain extent read between the lines.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, again, I think it works. It worked really well. Um, I, one of the things that struck me in the book, too, was you have some food recipes in the book. Yes. So well, let me back up one second before that, before I get to that. Did you have, you know, the writers say they're outliners or they're panzers. You know, they either fly by the scene or they outline. How, how did you approach this book?
1: I'm a little of both. Um, I did have an outline, um, and it certainly was a good roadmap, especially in the beginning. I always knew where this book was going. I always knew components that were going to be in the book. People sometimes say to me, oh, did you always want to write a novel? And my answer is, I always wanted to write this novel okay so what happened with the outline and i frequently use outlines um particularly at the newspaper when i would be writing feature stories about theater what happened with the outline in this case is that i diverged from it in a a number of places things that were in the outline might have gotten moved around things that didn't show up at all in the outline popped up depending on what was going on with the characters and the action at that point So the start and the end of the outline never changed. But what happened in the middle, once I got these characters in the room with me, did sometimes diverge.
0: Well, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that line, the characters in the room with you, because I think that's important. (laughs) But let's go back to the food recipes for a moment. Um, Where did that idea come from? (laughs)
1: Well, I think that's one of the things, that was one of the places where things diverged. And the reason there are recipes in the book, and the recipes are, are things that uh, are being made for the dogs. It's a, rec- a book of recipes um, for food for dogs. And uh, the way it figures into the plot is that Pamela's mother... Uh, sends uh, recipes occasionally and decides to write, actually it's a suggestion from Winslow, decides to write a cookbook of recipes of things that can be made for dogs. And I have to tell you, uh, all of those recipes have been tested. Um, uh, This started out, I'm a member of a writing group, and one of the other members made two of the recipes. She made the birthday cake, uh, which is essentially a carrot cake with cream cheese icing. These are all foods that are safe for dogs. They're all foods that can be eaten by humans. I have tested everything. I have tasted everything. Um, she also made a, a recipe for there are two recipes or three for dog treats. And uh, then I tested all of the other recipes. The meatloaf recipe has become our favorite family recipe. In fact, I just made it over the weekend. So my husband and Juno and I had some of this delicious, <laughs> delicious meatloaf. Uh, one of the recipes for dog treats uh, made quite a few. This is a Parmesan cheese dog treat. Um, it's it's excellent to serve with, um, say, a little bit of, of meat or another cheese if you're giving a cocktail party. Um, uh, I would recommend in that case, perhaps you don't use the cookie cutter shape like a dog bone might scare your guests, but I did make a lot of these. And when I would walk Juno, I would have in my pocket, a little plastic bag with a dog treat and my business card, which has my website and a picture of the book and the title of the book and all of the dogs that, that, um, tested the recipes, for that treat gave it a I guess I'd have to call it a pause up instead of a there thumbs up <laughs>
0: <laughs> There you go. Well you know there were other also we've been having a lot of fun with this but there are also some historical references in the book and I mean, my impression was based on the references that the timeline for the book is set somewhere in the 90s. Is that a fair statement? Yes, yes. It's, it starts in uh, 1990 and it
1: goes into 1993. Here's a difference from the outline. Originally, this book was going to go to 1998, it would have been a very long book. Um, <laughs> but I, I realized as I was writing it that I could tell the story with a little more. A little more brevity. It's set in the early 1990s because I wanted the dogs to be using typewriters. I wanted it to be set before the uh, onslaught of, of computers and emails and cell phones. That was just a little too much for me to accept, and I right. think maybe for the for the uh, for the reader to accept. Um, in terms of the the events that are happening and their current events while they're happening, part of my research involved looking up headlines and articles in newspapers um, that came out at the time that the the letters were being written. And those letters are very specifically timed to events um, such as, for example, the Gulf War, which takes place during this, and um, seeing all of the explosions and battles on on TV. just terrifies Zippy. She's, she's, she's not good with fireworks and she's not, not good with uh, artillery and bombs either.
0: <laughs> All right. So you just mentioned a minute ago that part of what evolved organically was when the characters were in the room with you, okay? <laughs> Which I understand. And fiction writers will often tell me that um, they will create a character and then at some point in the book, they'll be writing and the character will say, I'm not going there. That's that's not me. And the character actually helps write the novel. Now, yours are a little different, and we're talking about two dogs in particular. <laughs> Did you find that Zippy and Winslow, once you had kind of their character in mind, helped write the novel?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, the playwright, the great late playwright, August Wilson, always said the characters came in the room with him. This was not any kind of physical manifestation, although I for me, although I always like to have um, one of my actual dogs in the room with me at the time, sort of as a muse, a large part of the motivation for me to write this book was based or inspired by my own mother, who had an incredible attitude, incredible creativity and imagination and unconditional love. And my mother um, died in 1998. And um I still to this day think, you know, what would she do when I find myself in a, in a tough spot and I found, um, I found her even now still so helpful to me that I really wanted to share her and her attitude and dogs with other readers. I really thought this was a book that, that might help people, uh, who are going through tough times and, um. I found that I wanted to spend more time with her and writing this book personally was a way for me to do that and on a much broader sense was a way to share her, her attitude, her creativity, her imagination with, with readers, with strangers. And some of the feedback that I have gotten and some of the reviews I've gotten suggest that that has been happening and I can't begin to tell you how gratifying that is.
0: Well, the book is, if I can reduce it to just a couple of words, it's comforting and thought provoking at the same time. At least it was for me. And so I, I think you accomplished what you wanted. Let me. end. Oh, that's
1: with, wonderful. Thank you.
0: Well, let me end with this. OK. And, and it's unique because we've got dog characters, which I don't normally have in, in the books that I'm reading. Um, but I always like to ask writers because for folks that don't write, they don't quite understand the process. When you create characters, in this case, Zippy and Winslow, okay, and then you put them in situations, you put them in with Frank and Pamela who are having problems and have to figure out how to deal with it. Do you learn anything about yourself?
1: That's a very good question. Um, I think, and I've never been asked it before. Um, as I said, the, the characters grow and develop, and I hope that I do too. I hope, you know, on the bottom line, this is uh, supposed to be uh, wisdom from the writer as well as from the characters. So, um, yes, I think so. I think so.
0: Good, good. Well, I learned from the book. I mean, I've always been a dog lover, although I've had some cats here recently that kept me up late at night. But (laughs) I enjoy both. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Folks, you've been listening to the Writers Forum, and I've been speaking with Jay Wynn Russick about her new book please write a novel in letters, pick it up. It's really a good one. Judy, is there a website or other social media site that folks can go to in order to learn more about you and to learn more about the book?
1: Yes, absolutely. My website is jwinrusick.com. That's J-W-Y-N-N-R-O-U-S-U-C-K.com. I'm also on X as Twitter is now called, at Jay and I am on LinkedIn. Uh, The website has links to these uh, various uh, social media and um, also a blog and ways to order the book.
0: Well, Judy, thanks so much for being on the show.
1: It has been a complete pleasure. Thank you, Mike.
0: Folks, music for the show has been provided by Valerie Hunt Jester. The show is produced by our very own Tyler O'Brien. Tune in next Tuesday at four in the afternoon or Wednesday morning at 530 a.m. for the next segment of the Writers' Forum.